just one generation, the internet connected people across the globe. And now, slow news days are a thing of the past. It's a lot to keep track of, but WHIP has you covered with local, national, and international stories. Join us for a rational look at a complex world. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. Well, you heard it there first. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's a wonderful Friday. Here in the booth, I am your host, Julius Toth, third time hosting this week, <laughs> just working me to the bone, and I am uh, joined in the booth by Amaranth. Amaranth, yes. yeah, hello. You got it. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, last time <laughs> yesterday, for those who were listening, I totally got my uh, co-host's name wrong. Uh, embarrassingly, I will be living that down until the end of days. It happens. You know, yeah. it's not something that I'm surprised by. Yeah. If somebody gets it wrong, usually I introduce myself like somebody like pauses because they don't want to say it wrong. Right, right. Well, <laughs> we've, we've worked together on uh, the Crackdown writing team. Hell uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna oh, sorry. shamelessly plug uh, that other uh, branch of media over here at uh, the news department. Check out Crackdown on YouTube. Find it. Um, it. If you like rational radio, you'll definitely love that. It's it's um, a lot of it's political news and it's just like a weekly roundup of everything. So, yeah. We fit in as much as we can. I was up until like 2 a.m. writing that. So Yeah, you, you absolutely killed it. Thank you very <laughs> much for um, doing that. And so, yeah, that's the plug. Uh, go look that up. Um, but we are going to get into it. Ooh, I almost forgot. Uh, he's not here yet, but our fearless leader, Anthony Pearson, will be in the studio. Repeat, will be in the studio uh, yes. probably after the first talk he- break. Just send us a message. He will be here for the second talk break. So, ah, all right. Well, I am looking forward to letting him join in on our conversation. And I want to save. I think if you woke up today, I think you all know the big news. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna save that. Keep biting your nails. That's gonna come <laughs> for the second talk break. I just want to leave him hanging a little bit. But we are actually gonna go right now. We're just gonna get into it right now. Um. We're going to go outside of the United States for this first story. Uh, We're going to Venezuela, um, which is not in a very good situation right now. No. put it mildly, (laughs) things are very bad in Venezuela. Let me give you a little bit of background. Okay, so uh, back in 2013, Hugo Chavez, the president of Venezuela, died. um, And then Nicolas Maduro, which was like his um, political lackey and his groomed successor, he took over. And uh, basically, since his election six years ago, he's pretty much run Venezuela into the ground with uh, failed socialist policies, most of which are simply a carryover from uh, Chavez's initial inauguration in 1999. Uh, Some of these policies that he has instituted include price caps that were so low that the companies manufacturing essential supplies like toothpaste, toilet paper, you know, food. Uh, they could no longer afford to produce them. So there was, uh, in turn, a massive shortage of the goods that were supposed to be affordable. So total failure there. Um, They also, for some reason, I've never heard of this before, but (laughs) they turned the government into the sole uh, currency trader. So if you wanted to buy, uh, especially United States dollars Mm -hmm. in Venezuela, you'd have to go through the government. And they wouldn't let you purchase that without you know, a very specific reason. They had a list of reasons. And, you know, um, this obviously severely hampered trade mm-hmm. because you can't trade if you can't, you know, change your money. So it basically started a massive black market in the country. 
So all in all, <laughs> this guy Maduro, he's basically uh, he's he's bad news for Venezuela. He's messed up. Yeah, socialism. I I feel like there's a huge asterisk next to the word socialism mm-hmm. and like the idea because you know everybody likes to say that on paper it sounds great but then you see fiscal policies like this that are just like so mind-blowingly stupid right there's a point where it hits too much yeah absolutely you need to consider like this the initial uh scope of socialism it really Uh doesn't work in massive nations where you need to where the most efficient way to uh, coordinate an economy is through capitalism by letting it take care of itself. You know, to have this super centralized authority redistributing wealth, it, it makes things complicated. He tried it and it didn't work. No. Uh, so, you know, there's your evidence. Um, and the effects of these, I mean, just to fully, you know, explain how bad this has been, uh, three million Venezuelans have emigrated. They've left the nation uh, due to these, uh, basically to search for a better life, to look for, you know, an ability to feed your family. Uh, most of them have gone to Colombia and Peru. Uh, 300,000 have made it to the U.S. And this is in, the, like, the past six years. Yeah. So it's not like a massive migrant crisis, but people have been steadily leaving the country. And also important to note is the hyperinflation that's occurring. So hyperinflation basically is like, you know, normal economies have inflation where prices, you know, increase hyperinflation is when it happens at a like a worrisome rate like right. a, like a destructive rate and their annual inflation rate last year was get ready for this 1.3 million percent now that's a terrifying amount that's million with an m that's six zeros that's an <laughs> astronomical i mean that's like like rivaling zimbabwe yeah. for awful levels of inflation. And when that kind of inflation happens to economy, it just gets wiped out. Right. Like they've had to reformat their currency multiple times. They've pegged it to the petrodollar. They've pegged it to all these other types of things, but it's just not working. They have really like runaway inflation. Mm-hmm. So bottom line, situation in Venezuela is bad, and it's been bad for the past a long time. At right. least since Hugo Chavez got in, it's it's just been bad because they've they've tried to do socialism, but they haven't actually looked at the reality of what they're facing, and their response to seeing the failures of their policies was to say more socialism, right? Which is it's, pile it all on there. If you if your only tool is a hammer, you're gonna look at every problem like it's a nail, and this is like a very bad example of hitting a bunch of stuff with a hammer in your country. Right. Shouldn't be doing that. But uh, so on top of all that, now there's a constitutional crisis in Venezuela. That's the, the lead of this story. Um, there's basically there's two presidents right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is Maduro. And the other one is the head of the National Assembly, which is like Congress for Venezuela. And his name is Juan uh, Guaido. I do not know how to pronounce Spanish names. So did I get that right? Uh, I'm gonna say Guido. Guido. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll call it. I'll, I'll say that. I'll go with you because I, I have a background in German, not, not this. So, um, anyways, uh, John Guido, Juan Guido. I'm all over the place. Uh, he's the head of the National Assembly, and he claimed that the last elections that happened last year, 
that Maduro won for another six-year term, uh, they were highly irregular, to say the least. There was a lot okay. of intimidation and a lot of, uh, you know, like repression of uh dissident parties they were definitely not free and fair elections and the international community was you know pretty much recognized hey this is these were bad elections so the venezuelan constitution says that if a situation like this occurs that the head of the national assembly uh takes the presidency and becomes uh head of state until new elections can be held okay so um basically they've been trying to work with maduro and be like hey these elections were totally like you, you did it wrong. You're not the president. You know, we need to have actual free and fair elections. And Maduro basically said, LOL, no, um, and kept repressing people. So he has he, he basically went out and officially said, OK, uh, I'm invoking these articles of the Constitution and now I'm the president. Mm-hmm. And uh, there have been numerous international reactions to this. Trump recognizes the. Uh, head of the National Assembly, which is the opposition, as the rightful head of state. Uh, in response to that, Maduro severed diplomatic ties with the United States and gave us 72 hours to evacuate our diplomats. So sort of a temper tantrum being thrown there. Right. Um, and it's it's not necessarily so surprising to see somebody cut off diplomatic ties if, you, if they don't respect you or acknowledge you as the head of state, mm-hmm. but to... For a Latin American country or a South American country, rather, to uh, do that to you, the United States, is dangerous, to say the least. Um, we have a pretty bad track record of going into countries and just, like, wiping them out. Right. You know? and Especially with uh, our current. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and they've been, members of the administration have been very careful to not specifically describe, you know, They've said all options are on the table. They keep using that phrase, all options are on the table. Um, certain analysts suggest that we're going to try to use economic pressure, cut Maduro off from his source of funding so he can't, you know, uh, he can't use the money to fund his regime. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump isn't the only person who's uh, recognized uh, uh, Guaido as the rightful head of state. Um most notably, Putin is still believes that uh, Maduro is the head of state. And he actually, in a phone call to Maduro, uh, warned against the U.S. using military force. And he said, quote, destructive outside interference grossly violated the fundamental norms of international law, end quote. Which, <laughs> when I read that coming from Putin's mouth, I was like, uh, uh, Ukraine's on the other line. Right. Uh, they, I think they would agree with you with that state and President Putin. But um, it's just funny to hear that justification coming from, you know, what, what a hypocrite, yeah, right? Says, says you, okay. Yeah, exactly. The, the guy who literally annexed Crimea. So I don't know. Um, he, this is inevitably going to cause contention between the United States and Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Venezuela is a big oil producing country. Um, and a lot of, the states in South America have ties to, um, you know, at least in the in the in the, uh, the previous century, when there was a lot of uh, international effort to get communism established mm-hmm. in South America as a way to weaken the United States. Um, there was a lot of interest in 
at that time it was Soviets, they had a lot of interest in the continent. So they built these ties. And it's as another major um, oil producer, you know, Russia and Venezuela, they're kind of going hand in hand with this. They're mm-hmm. they're they're very they're very they're on very friendly terms. Um, Venezuela and the United States, however, Hugo Chavez hated the United States. He hated us. He he very much thought that we were an imperialist imperial imperialist force. I need to work on my diction. You got it. I you know you what you got that. I almost got it. Um, <laughs> which I mean, he wasn't wrong. But we are definitely an imperialist force. But he was very vehemently anti-American. Mm-hmm. Did not like us at all. So, look, my my main question for this is: We've got this problem in Venezuela. Maduro's not backing down. Is reaffirming democracy in our hemisphere, and I say our hemisphere because we're definitely the dominant power in both North and South America. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if any other country on either continent can really hold a candle to, you know, what the United States is doing. So is removing Maduro from power worth military intervention, do you think? I would say, like, on one hand, I know that we have uh, we have a precedence for being for getting involved with the military in situations like this. But I think that happening at this moment in time for the United States, this is not a great time to be um, interfering in another country's business with our military while we're dealing with so much over here. Like we have a lot of stuff going on right now, and I don't think that it's really worth it at this point where we're at to be working to be going sending troops over to Venezuela. Right. Yeah, and especially coming off of the heels of us withdrawing from Syria. Mm-hmm. I feel like we shouldn't just shuffle our troops around. We should right. really like recoup and you know Right. Not to like, say build up strength again, but That was sort of like a display of like the United States not interfering with people's business and then to just send those troops straight down to Venezuela to interfere with more things that are happening around the world instead of like with ourselves. And it's again, it's like it's not I don't think it's very wise decision to get so heavily involved. Yeah. You think there was a big migrant caravan crisis from like. Uh, Colombia and Honduras and all of those places when they were coming up north. Imagine if we invade a country and all those people get displaced. I think, yeah, going in with military force is definitely not the right move. I'm excited to see how this develops in the coming weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, But for right now, we are going to cut to commercial. We're going to spin up some Imagine Dragons. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, Take it easy. And we back. Yeah. And we we brought Tony. (laughs) Yeah, he's, he showed up, everybody. I've appeared. He's appeared out of nowhere. There was a puff of smoke. And all of a sudden, it was me. And all of a sudden, it was him. He came out of the bottle. That'll Jeannie, happen if you're not careful. You need a bottle. You got you to gotta look out for that. So you got to check all parts of your room at any given moment to make sure that I don't just spontaneously <laughs> appear. <laughs> what? He might show up. It's, it's happened to me a couple times. It's always weird. It's how dangerous. Are you, how you doing, Tony? I am doing well. Um, today has been a whirlwind. Uh, for those of you who, uh, I mean, if you've listened to any show with me on it the past week, I've plugged Crackdown every single time. Um, but we are entering into our first weekend of production where we're going to talk about just about all of the news that has been discussed today and that will be discussed. Um, things folks have been discussing all week. Um, that's like our big show where we just kind of dump a bunch of news on people who want to have news dumped on them. 
And Tony, if somebody wanted to see this crackdown, where <gasps> could they go? Um, so, so that's so that's the funny thing. Uh, WHIP has, <laughs> has a YouTube channel. And as of tomorrow, all the old crackdowns will be transferred onto it. Because they used to go on a channel that was used for a personal podcast of mine in the past called Long Story Short. It's a long story. Um, <laughs> that was that was rough. Uh, but... No, but uh, it, it'll you will be able to find it on the official WHIP YouTube channel on Sunday, um, and eventually we're going to hope to start dropping them on Saturdays. Um, you can find it probably on the WHIP website, whipradiotu.com, but potentially next week, uh, probably the week after that. We're still it's. It's like the finishing touches, but we're still figuring it all out. We're about to migrate over to a new website. So I'm going to plug the YouTube channel more than the website and say, check out the official WHIP radio YouTube channel on Sunday for the next crackdown. It's a doozy. They're usually like seven minutes. This one's probably going to be like 10. Whoa. Whoa. That's a lot of news. Try not to, you know, be sure to chew it so you don't choke on it. Um, it's It's a bunch. Well, thank you for plugging the crackdown. I tried to do it in the beginning break, but I am totally incompetent, and I am clueless, and I don't know anything about the crackdown. So I was unable to, but you did a much better job. I couldn't even remember the website of the radio station. It's it's because the name is weird. It's got a it's like a, a weird T-U at the end. W-H-I-P radio T-U, yep. I think. Dot com. Although now, again, we're, we're working right on changing it changing. to yeah. WHIP radio, I believe, dot org. Maybe .edu. I, I don't know if we settled on the... Oh, and the YouTube channel. That's WHIP Radio. That's what it's called yes. in case anybody... Because if you just look, look up WHIP, you will get results for the word whip. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, the word whip means a lot of things That's on true. the internet. Yeah. Uh, don't yes. Google that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I think this has been the most legendary plug in the history of plugs. Yeah. Uh, we've been plugging so long that we actually forgot... Guys, there's huge, huge news. It's like the biggest one. I I teased it uh, during the first break. I said, hey, we're going to get to Uh the second break. Well, now we're here at the second (gasps) break. Everybody, when you woke up today, I know you turned on the news, and you saw that Roger Stone woke up this morning as well. But he woke up to the sound of the FBI man on (laughs) his door. It's the worst way to wake up. Knock, knock, knock. I have a warrant. Yes, that's true. (laughs) The FBI has arrested Roger Stone he was uh, one of the key Trump advisors during the campaign. He's actually been, you know, for people who are uh, aware, he's been a, a key Republican strategist slash lobbyist uh, all the way back, dating back to Nixon. For a long time. This very, dude's not. Very long time. Yes. yes. He's, he's a major uh, player, a major personality in the Republican camp. Uh, he worked on the Trump campaign most recently until 2015 when he parted ways. Uh, he says that he just left. Uh, Trump said that he was fired. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> but he and Trump have both said a lot of things about each other, the campaign, the investigation, and I mean, we're about to get it. Just, yeah, continue. All we yeah. know is he's gone. He's, yeah. He was gone, except he really kind of wasn't because in the summer of 2016, the infamous summer where all of this collusion supposedly happened. Allegedly. I mean, yeah, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Do we have to say allegedly? Um, I mean... We'll see. This time will tell. Um, but he he basically told the Trump campaign that Julian Assange of WikiLeaks had some emails that could damage Hillary Clinton's campaign. 
And he mm-hmm. actually had contact with Assange through an intermediary who was a, a radio host, not this radio host, who interviewed uh, both individuals. <laughs> Thank you for specifying. Uh, you know what? Hey, I said a... Nobody in this room. You know, nope. eyebrows raised. I don't think it was anybody <laughs> in this room. Uh, so on top of having contact with Assange... Of course, Assange, he had the table. <laughs> <laughs> uh he also admitted publicly to communicating directly with, and it pains me to say this, I cringe. Oh my god! Guccifer 2.0. Yeah. Which is the, the hacker. hacker who accessed the DNC emails, and uh, he actually congratulated Guccifer on the job well done. Uh, but Guccifer <laughs> 2.0, hate I love it. So it's my much. favorite name. It reminds. Okay, there's like. Okay, never mind. This is like a. This is too much. Um, it's too much. Distraction. Too, too, too much. much. You guys keep All going. Right. No, I, I will not say what it reminds me of. It's too long. Well, no, but right. to bring it into the next point, though, like I, I do love the name Gucci for 2.0 because it is, as, as you have here, it's strongly suspected of being a front for a Russian cyber warfare division. So the it, fact that that got the name Gucci for 2.0 is it just. It also suggests that there was a Gucci for one. Yeah. One. Yeah. I think there might. I actually. Oh, I haven't like do- I haven't like gotten into the history of this particular bit in a while, but I think there was a Gucci for 1.0, not related. <laughs> but I- all right, all right, we're getting sidetracked. Okay, okay. No, it's just it's I'm love st- the name. I'm still not over Let's that move name. on. But yeah, so uh, basically, Gucci for 2.0 is the Kremlin. Uh, <laughs> that's it. We, we allegedly. <laughs> so uh, no, it definitely is, uh, and we know that because uh, the NSA has been monitoring. Gucci for 2.0, and somebody at the Kremlin forgot to use a proxy once when they logged on, and the IP was the Kremlin. Hey, you're so, right. I'll, I'll go with the NSA on this one I, and remove that allegedly. You know, oh. I, <laughs> I I trust the NSA. It, at least regarding be, these things. I feel be, like I trust the NSA is a loaded statement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I said it. But anyways. I trust their data. So that was Roger Stone's involvement. 2016 campaign and he was arrested early this morning during a pre-dawn FBI raid on his house. They also seized Ripped. a this ton of hard drives Ripped. from his house and from his apartment in New York City. So, I mean, they were they were taking him out by like the bucket load. So, a ton of data just fell into the FBI's hands. 100 hard drives. Bad news. I wonder what's on those hard drives. Well, yeah. Me too. Uh, I, I hope it's not. I hope for his sake, it's not records that he did know that he was communicating with. Uh, well, the freaking Guchifer. oh, why am I a Guccifer? But also <laughs> Assange. But, yeah, Assange. Thank yeah. you. Um, and I I hope for his sake that it doesn't have evidence pointing to that because he's already pled not guilty to. Um, the charges that he's been brought up on, which are one count of obstruction of justice, six counts of making false statements to the Mueller investigation. Those are serious. Oh, real serious. Do yeah. not lie to Congress. And Do not lie to the FBI. Don't lie to Mueller. He's, he's got eyes in the back of the head. He'll figure you out. He's got eyes all over his head. And he's he... going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and also one count of witness tampering. Uh, his intermediary who... He met Assange through. He basically said, hey, don't you tell the FBI about any of this. And he then promptly told the FBI that, okay. you know, he had A little bit of a snitch, thing. but I guess we can forgive him on this count. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important to know once you hear this story, you mm-hmm. know, 
the images, there's a video on CNN. First of all, how did CNN know that he was going to get arrested? That's actually a point that the president brought up in his uh, defensive tr- tweet against this. Like, how did the, how did CNN, why was Same. CNN at this rate? Someone is leaking things to, I mean, I think that this is well known at this point, but there are people in the government who are leaking things to the media right now. Oh, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, <laughs> like, not that that's definitely what happened here. I There's nothing, I don't know enough to say, but. The point is, if yeah. you go to CNN right now, you can actually see video of the the raid. They they videotaped yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. it. Powerful images, and when you see the, this type of like uh, incendiary story happen, it's really important to remember, you know, why he's being arrested and why he's been indicted. He is not being arrested because the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. Oh yeah, he's being arrested because he lied to Mueller. Yep, and. My follow-up question to that is, like, why do people... He's the sixth person that's been indicted due to the Mueller mm-hmm. investigation. Why do people keep lying? That's... So that's actually... This This kind of brings us to that Crackdown episode that we did. I'm not going to plug it again because I've plugged it on multiple shows. <laughs> there was one last season where we really got into the Trump-Russia investigation um, and why it has turned out to most certainly not be a nothing burger and the the uh, much of the beef in in this situation is that people keep freaking lying to everyone to congress to the FBI to the media about their involvement about the contacts whether contacts happened with who what they were about at every single point were lied to here now it's about whether or not, again, this extremely influential person, not just in the Trump campaign, but in the Republican Party, and not just during this election period, but like for the past half of a century, uh, this guy now lied about all this knowledge about interactions between himself and an intermediary for the group that released stolen emails to sway an election, like, potentially, and and I say potentially with like, it's it's looking likely at this point in collaboration with a hostile government to the United States and and they're lying about very nearly every part of that interaction like it's just preposterous oh. that they believe that they can continue to lie and not get caught when the dominoes just keep dropping they just keep getting knocked over you know you will get found out if you lie to Mueller so just don't lie I feel mm-hmm. like there's just a point, though, where you're in so deep with, like, everything that's going on. You're in so deep that if you start telling the truth, it's going to be like, what? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. just got to keep on. Like, it's like you're digging yourself in a hole, and you just got to keep on lying until somebody finds out you are. I guess so. The, down. the problem is, like, that's why just don't don't lie to the FBI. It doesn't matter how deep the hole is. When you, like, lying to the FBI is, like, trying to jump out of your hole into, like, into a much deeper hole with a, with a frying pan and like, fire in it, and like, and the FBI's in there, yeah. <laughs> like, and you just jumped in, like, don't... and then they're gonna arrest you early in the morning. Yeah, yeah, and take all your hard drives. What and, an awful way to wake up. And again, people. So a, a frequent theme that I hear from people who've been questioned by the FBI, um, and many of the people who've been indicted, there's a vibe that they know everything. Um, in fact, I believe and. You'll, you'll have to excuse me in the process of running around. I've got my names mixed up. Who, I believe it was person two in the indictment, 
yeah. that Stone was texting. And person two had already been questioned by the FBI. That's and person two said, guy. yeah, person two said, don't lie to them. They know everything. Essentially, it was over a series of texts where Stone, again, based on records from the FBI, was telling him, you know, if you essentially like be careful what you say. He was making like these weird, vague threats. And person two, believed to be um, Jerome Corsi, correct? That's the, I just want to make sure I'm not mincing my, uh, the radio host. I believe his name is Jerome Corsi. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he, he was like, do not lie to the FBI. They know everything. And uh, and it looks like they knew that that conversation happened. You know, I'm <laughs> sure that they do know a lot. I'm curious when Mueller's going to think he has enough information to conclude the investigation. Because so many people are getting, like, picked off left and right by the FBI. I want to know. I mean, does does he need to get Don Jr.? I feel like, I kind of feel like he has the information and he's had it for a while and that's why he's picking off people one by one. Like he knows that he can pick them off individually instead of as a whole. He just wants to get like a watertight, yeah. airtight case against, you know, whatever when he yeah. finds this. Like oh, that's man. what I'm thinking is that like obviously the FBI knows what's going on. Like they know everything and they're still picking people off and they're still arresting them and like investigating. But I think at this point, it's just to make sure that they have all of the information and that they don't have to try to get everyone all at the same time, mm -hmm. everyone involved. And I mean, we know why they know everything. We've learned, I, I forget if we talked about this um, explicitly on here uh, in the past week, um, but we've learned that the investigation into the 2016 campaign is not the investigation. The investigation kicked off after the president fired um, Comey. Mm -hmm. um, and after he fired Comey and cited in a draft letter the Russia investigation as one of the reasons for firing him. Right. He's since redacted that, and then there's been, there were tweets that made it seem like that was the case, and it's, this is a complicated history. Why but... don't we talk a little bit about it after the commercial break, and then mm -hmm. we'll get into our third story. All right, I'm going <laughs> to real quick switch this off to some music. Uh Easy listening, passenger, let her go. Take it easy, listen. You heard it there by LeVar Burton. Uh, yep. Reading is fundamental. It uh, is. I totally agree with that. Uh, read with your kids every night. Uh, they'll grow up to be super smart. Yep. Um, strong brains or something like that. Strong Love brains. It. Mind is a terrible thing to waste. I don't know. Yep. Um, so <laughs> if you remember at the beginning of the second talk break, we started talking about Roger Stone getting arrested. And we were having a really good conversation that was very rudely interrupted by uh, passengers, let it go. I don't know who they think they are recording music and putting it on the radio. Um, but we're back now. And before we talk about our third story, um, I just want to continue this conversation a little. Tony, yeah. you had a very interesting <clears throat> question you wanted to ask. Yeah, uh, we discussed this a little bit over the break. But as we, as we get farther um, into this and hear about these contradictions about a um, who is being communicated with at WikiLeaks, which is where these stolen emails um, were disseminated, um, and where we now, where it now seems, based on these indictments, um, that the campaign was aware these emails were going to be leaked in sort of a tactical way, um, and potentially even encouraged it. So you hear about things like that as we hear about um, stuff that we've talked about in previous shows, the Trump Tower meeting especially, um, which is something where, again, we've had a story that changed many times before we learned truly 
who was involved, what they talked about, um, what the goals of that meeting were, and even that isn't entirely established. Um, it's becoming very clear that people close to the president have uh, have likely lied to Congress. I don't want to say lied to Congress because there hasn't been a, a move made yet. Um, Certainly many of his associates have, have already been indicted, Yes, sentenced, mm-hmm. found guilty. Um, so Trump Jr., Kushner, are looking down the barrel of the American criminal justice system, uh, just to, to be frank. And if they are implicated, well, if they've lied about many of these details, the reason to lie about these details would be being implicated in even deeper crimes. At least that's kind of what it's looking like so far. So I'm curious. It seems as though Trump Jr., Kushner, people very close to the president could probably be arrested any day now on very solid grounds. But if they are, um, if there's something that is going to make our president pull a Maduro and start trying to shut this, uh, not that Maduro is trying to shut down an investigation to himself, more taking unilateral action to kind of stop checks into his own power. If he were going to pull something like that and try to shut down this investigation, what do you all think? Like, do you think that could be something that would do it? Because I'm, I'm concerned that the indictments, the, the people close to the president, I think they're coming soon. Right. I'm wondering how that's going to play out. I think if Trump tries to take unilateral action, there's going to be uh, like serious rioting. I, I hope mean, so. Like serious civil unrest. If I think, and that's going to be a natural reaction of the republic defending itself from an antibody. It's like antibodies in the body. You know, the immune system it detects a threat. And it just it just starts a fever, inflammation. Sends a bunch of T cells in there. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to happen. I think a bunch of patriots are going to get mad, and that should happen. You know, no matter who is in office, if anybody tries to go and say, "Hey, you know what? I don't need these checks and balances." I think people got to like pick up pitchforks. You know, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 dangerous. This is a very fragile uh, exercise in democracy that we've created here. We miraculously managed to succeed, thrive, and prosper for. You know, over over 200 years. And through a civil war, not only a civil war, but one of the first, quote-unquote, modern civil wars, which tend not to end well for the nations that experience them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we have we've already demonstrated that, you know, this 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 republic is tough. And I, I honestly think that if he tried to do something unconstitutional, there would be he wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think he succeed. Right. And then like. If he knows that, would he even try then? Yeah, and you I have, think so. You have to. You think so? <laughs> I would because I haven't seen. I have seen people in the GOP, in the larger party, and even in his own cabinet, come out and disagree with him in the past. Um, speaking to the cabinet, most of those people are fired or no longer work with the president. Hmm. Um, and speaking to the GOP, they usually shut up and go along with him. So while I don't think that they will shut up and go along with him if he does something that extreme, I hope, um, because that would be very bad. I also, do do I think that the president wouldn't try to get away with it? I don't know. He's gotten away with, I don't want to say gotten away with a lot, but like he's managed to really flex a lot of power in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has shown that he's not really concerned with doing it. I mean, we were about to declare a national emergency over a physical barrier along the border, which already has physical barriers, 
um, that large portions of the country don't support. We were going to invoke a national emergency for that. Now, I'm not even arguing the merit of that project, but invoking a national emergency is like a really unprecedented thing that gives the president almost dictator-like power, and we have that ability because of, like, you know, what if Yellowstone goes? What if someone tries to invade? Like, that's why that's there. Mm-hmm. The president was getting ready to invoke that over the border wall. Right. Do I think that he wouldn't do something like that in this case? I mean, he doesn't seem scared to. You have to ask the question, you know, what's more, is is his security and the security of his sons worth more to him than $5.7 billion in discretionary spending? You know, and I think the answer would definitely be yes, you know, assuming he has a heart and cares about his family. I mean, I guess we're about to find, like, oh, this is such a... Yeah, we'll see in in two years. We'll see how... uh, I think for him, it's also a big, it's a matter of pride as well when it comes to that sort of situation of whether or not he's going to be like, I'm proud of who I am and who my family is, so I'm going to fight this. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, we just got the alert. Senate, the Senate has approved the bill to open the government for three weeks. All right. There... You, you, you heard it here. <laughs> that happened. News, breaking news. Yes. The shutdown is over. Oh, I am so glad we don't film the crackdown on Thursdays anymore. Oh. This would have sucked so bad. Our entire script this morning would have been was wrong. just wrong. Yep. <laughs> it was just not correct. Oh, boy. Oh, that would have sucked so bad. Man, yeah, All we right. wouldn't have been able to publish it. Yeah, no, we would have had to, like, re-record or something. That would have been, that would have been too much to just ignore. Yep. Uh, oh, Lord. All right. Well, congratulations, everybody. <laughs> We're going to pay our federal employees a little bit. Uh, State of the Union, maybe? Maybe? I am excited to hear. You know, mayhaps. <laughs> what? I'm excited to hear how Trump thinks the United States is doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What is Me this? too, actually. What is he going to say? We are um, the strongest we've been in years, perhaps ever. <sighs> I do that, this okay? I'm <laughs> channeling my Stephen Colbert one. That's a really good... Uh, I mean, such a like overdone impression. See, at this point, so many people are doing Trump impressions. I feel like I'm desensitized to them, <laughs> and like I can't even. Just like make your voice flat enough, and I'll know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's not all the news. I don't, I don't think. Oh yeah, oh, I forgot. Yeah, we, had we still have more. Story. Is there is there news? There's, yes. Is that everything? There's, there's a big wide world of news out there. We're gonna talk um, about it real quick. Uh, Angela Merkel, Angela or Angela? I mean. I've heard Angela. It's Angela, yeah, because it's German. German. That Deutsch. Deutsch. Uh, She is stepping down from the leadership of the Christian Democratic Union, which is uh, her party. Um, And they're going to hold elections for a new leader. She's been in charge for 18 years. 18 years. It's a while. Leading the party. Yeah, and she's been chancellor for a long time, too. So, obviously, Angela Merkel is a major player in the CDU and in Germany. And I mm-hmm. am very excited to see who the party chooses as their next successor. It's basically come down to three individuals. Um, the first one, Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer. I'm so out of pronunciation with my German. I haven't practiced it at all. Um, they call her AKK. That's just by her initials. Um, she She's what many people think are going to be the next uh, leader of the CDU. Uh, she's very much uh, Merkel 2.0. All right. Um, so basically a continuation. Um, Friedrich Mer- Mers, who actually lost to Merkel during a power struggle in 2002, and he left mm-hmm. politics in 2009. He's been seeing this resurgence. Uh, he's very much a social conservative and pro-business, which I think 
Germany could use at this point in time. Keep in mind that the mm-hmm. the UK is withdrawing from the EU, right? A- apparently, Apparent- <laughs> yeah. In sixty some days, we're gonna update you on that story as that happens. But so I, I still have a feeling that they're just gonna slip on a banana peel right before it happens, and then it. Man, we'll we'll see. I hope so, and the rest of Europe hopes so. But that's the second largest economy in the European Union. So if they lose that source of funding, if they lose that source of capital, Germany, uh, Germany is really going to be Germany and France are really going to be like shouldering a lot of the burden for the mm-hmm. European Union. And I would think that somebody with the sort of business acumen that he has, I think Germany could find that useful. Oh yeah, because if it. It's a prickly situation in that I could see it being very damaging to the economies of uh, of nations like Germany um, mm-hmm. and France trying to sort of prop up such a honestly just such an economically diverse set of nations. That being said, if they play their cards right, um, the EU is in a good spot to compete with the United States. It's in a good spot to, to compete with China, both with the diversity of products that it could bring to market and just its size, its economic output, if it were managed well to the extent that you can with a multinational institution like that, um, or an international institution, I should say, yeah, they, they, if they play their cards right, they could, um, I think, benefit right. from the UK being out of that picture. Mm-hmm. No doubt. There's also a third opponent, though. A new challenger has appeared. His name, I like his name, Jens Spahn. Spahn. Jens Spahn. Spahn. I love it. S-P-A-H-N. He is uh, another member of the CDU. Um, He's actually an opponent of Merkel regarding Germany's decision to provide asylum to the Syrian refugees. Uh, Germany famously let 1.1 million refugees in. And a lot of Mm -hmm. people in Germany were like, huh? Why'd you do that? And Merkel was like, because we have to. And that's a that's the justification that mm-hmm. you need, because they did have to. That is a valid... But like, it was a humanitarian crisis. Germany didn't build a wall. They they, they have a history of building walls, but they didn't build a wall this time. <laughs> I don't know if I would say... I mean, all right. That Yeah, that was... They could have. Germany has a complicated history period. Doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but um, no, just to specify real quick, like on on the topic of um, of the refugee crisis they were facing, like yeah, if they didn't do something about that, the nations around them would have had to. That that was not a problem that was going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Just to specify, it was a big one. Yeah. So he's definitely going to appeal to uh, the right wing of the CDU and also you know like centrists mm-hmm. because he is a CDU. He's on the left, but he's like right left. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> that one. Know? Um, and I think he'll also appeal to uh, Germans who are disillusioned with the entire migrant, the handling of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the CDU performs in the next elections, mm-hmm. um, whether or not they're going to. She's still going to be the uh, chancellor of Germany. She's just like letting the party manage itself. She's still obviously a member of the party, but she no longer wants to lead it so right. all right she had a good run that's yeah. probably not oh go ahead i mean i'm, I'm just saying 18 years that's that's a good time to let that's, somebody else come up that's a great career that yeah. is a it's a long one and on top of that she is still chancellor and if anything being able to be chancellor without having a party that you have to i guess i don't, I don't want to say let like, dictate your stuff but yeah that, that could be an interesting uh an interesting position for her to be in 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be neat. She's not necessarily beholden to. I mean, I'm sure she still ideologically aligns with the party. At least to an extent. She better. I mean, she led it for 19 years. (laughs) That would be a massive twist. Yeah. Plot twist. Plot twist. I was. I I hated all of this. Ah, (laughs) My life's a lie. I was really a socialist, and she pulls her mask off and it's Duro. (laughs) It's Duro, you know, yeah. Surprise. Yeah, just controlling the world. (laughs) He's Uh, everywhere. He's like a ghost. uh, Spooky. It is spooky. Hey, it's spooky whenever freedom is threatened. Yeah. It's the most American sentence I've seen all day. Mm. I guess that's one way to end the show, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, as there's a bunch of different ways to end the show, but this is the way that we are ending the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the end of the show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in. Um, it's been my pleasure and my honor to bring you that delicious news. Mm. Uh, Tasty. You guys, guys want to say goodbye? Goodbye. I'm Tony. Bye. I'm Amaranth. Check out the crackdown. Yeah. Check out the crackdown. Bye. I'm Julius. I'm going <laughs> to leave you with some music. Uh, can you guess what it's going to be? I don't know. Uh, it's going to be Dr. Dog. <gasps> like I do every single day and like I'm going to continue to do. So take it easy. I will see you later. Have a good day. Peace.